Good morning. It's Monday, the 8th of January, and this is Govindraj Athiraj coming to you from Mumbai, India's financial capital. Our top stories and themes for the day. The markets to focus on third quarter numbers with tech companies under the microscope. Consumers head back to physical stores to get a feel for cooler gadgets and also find finance for them. Ford Motors returns to India once again. And more airlines are grounding the Boeing Max 737-9 following the mid-air blowout of an emergency door. This is a core report with Govindraj Athiraj. Stock markets get set for results. For many, January 8th usually marks the beginning of the work year as people return from breaks and holidays. When I say January 8th, I mean the first Monday after the first of the year. The markets too have been on a break of sorts, waiting for fresh triggers, which will come largely in the form of third quarter results from Indian companies, particularly tech companies, apart from inflation numbers at the macro level being another factor that people are watching. Some 65 companies, including many leading IT companies, are set to release numbers this week. And on the macro side, consumer price inflation is the number to watch, which will come on January 12th. Last month's retail inflation numbers saw a rise to 5.5%, thanks also to rising food prices. Back in the markets last week, the indices ended slightly lower, with the Nifty ending at 21,710 and the Sensex ending at 72,026. So obviously, most market people would hope that the Nifty would regain 22,000 and the Sensex stay above 72,000. And it's also worth noting that the Sensex closed above 72,000 for the first time. The real estate indices were leading the rest of the pack last week, and we dived into why this was happening on Friday with Gulam Zia of Knight Frank, who pointed out that, among other things, NRIs, or non-resident Indians, are not the big buyers of property this time, unlike in the past. And then, of course, there's a lot of demand in real estate. And more of that at a later stage. Now, back in the markets, the Securities and Exchange Report of India reiterated its ban on naked short selling, which means selling stock or shares without actually owning them, and then buying from the market to complete that sale. SEBI also said that institutional investors cannot day trade and should disclose upfront when they are placing the order whether the transaction is a short sale. While retail investors have been permitted till the end of the trading day to make the same declaration. Now, brokers and stock exchanges have been asked to collate this information and make it available to the public through their websites. So the move broadly follows the Supreme Court's judgment on petitions seeking a court-monitored investigation into alleged manipulation in stocks of the Adani Group following the Hindenburg Research Report in January last year. So the Apex Court, that's the Supreme Court, refused this plea but asked the SEBI to investigate whether Indian investors suffered losses from that research agency's actions or if there were short positions taken in the market that went against the law. Now, SEBI's current move appears to be driven by a specific case rather than a broader phenomenon, at least the way I'm reading it here. Uh, This appears also therefore somewhat restrictive as a policy response since it should be clear to all participants who is being sought to be protected and the data that led to this view or policy coming into place. Short selling in general, of course, provides liquidity to a market and flows from the simple principle that for every seller, there is a buyer and vice versa. Oil prices and if there was no oil tomorrow. And in our energy segment, supported by India Energy Week, 
Last week, oil rose thanks to again rising tensions in the Middle East and protests in Libya, which have disrupted supply from local fields there. Meanwhile, U.S. stockpile data is showing large increases in gasoline and diesel inventories, balancing the tensions in the Middle East and the price pressures there. Over the weekend, Brent crude was quoting at around $78.76 or close to $79 a barrel. Elsewhere, in the Red Sea particularly, shipping giant Maersk, which controls about one-sixth of global container trade, is diverting all container vessels from Red Sea routes to around Africa's Cape of Good Hope for the foreseeable future, while another shipping line, Hapag Lloyd, had put out increased costs of diverting ships, Reuters has reported. Now, the trip around Africa can add anywhere between 7 to 10 days in journey times and is, of course, more expensive as it requires more fuel and crew time. Roughly 33% of all global container cargo goes through the Suez Canal and redirecting ships could add some $1 million in extra fuel alone for every trip around Africa Reuters has computed. French shipping firm CMACGM, which has also got operations in and to India, said on Friday it has not changed plans announced last month to gradually raise the number of vessels travelling through the Suez Canal. The core's energy segment was presented by India Energy Week to start on February 6th. Details at indiaenergyweek.com. India forecasts an annual growth rate of 7.3% for the year. Early projections for 23-24 from the National Statistical Office or NSO on Friday have put India at a growth rate of 7.3%, a little higher than what was predicted and projected. The first advance estimates of annual GDP follow last month's increased forecast to 7% from the Reserve Bank of India, up in turn from an earlier estimate of 6.5%, according to Reuters. S&P Global Ratings expects India to remain the fastest-growing major economy for the next three years. India's economy, if you were to look back a little, grew 7.2% in 22-23 and 8.7% in 21-22. Remember, that's the year that we were coming out of COVID. Crystal Chief Economist DK Joshi wrote in the Times of India that this calculus implies the second half of this fiscal year will see a slower growth rate of 6.9% compared to the tearing 7.7% in the first half that persuaded analysts to pencil up their own calls for this fiscal So now, between now and May, the NSO will publish two more estimates for this fiscal, including a second advance estimate at the end of this month and a provisional estimate in May considered more reliable. Overall, the economy is robust, says DK Joshi, despite agriculture growth having fallen from 4% the last year to a 1.8%, thanks, of course, to the monsoons. Other factors to note are that private consumption at 4.4% is trailing overall GDP growth, and on the other hand, The trend of premiumization is spreading as more people buy more expensive products and services like cars and even houses and real estate. And also, this is, as you know, an election year. So we have only one interim annual budget on February 1st, and we will not have any major announcements. So at least that's usually the case, which will come in turn in July after the new government takes over. So the real budget comes in July this year and not in February. Vietnamese car major Vinfast comes to India. While everyone awaits Tesla's formal announcement to enter India with car manufacturing with bated breath, now rumored to happen at a Gujarat Invest Summit next week, 
Vietnamese electric vehicle Vinfast has already announced its manufacturing facility in India. Vinfast and Tamil Nadu have agreed to work towards an investment of up to $2 billion with an intended commitment of $500 million for the first five years of the project, according to a joint statement reported by Reuters. Construction on this project's electric vehicle and battery manufacturing plans are expected to start this year and generate 3,000 to 3,500 jobs locally, according to that statement. Winfast is a very new company. It was set up only in 2017 and began making electric vehicles three years ago and is expanding aggressively overseas. It also had a Nasdaq debut in August last year. The interesting thing about electric vehicles, as we all know, is that it is a mix of very traditional and old world automotive companies as well as the new upstarts. The new upstarts are obviously led by Tesla, but also include Chinese companies like BYD, whose total electric vehicle sales have now overtaken Tesla. And then, of course, companies like Winfast from Vietnam and then India's own companies, which range from Tata Motors, the traditional ones, to, let's say, an Ola Electric for two wheelers, but a new one. Winfast said the Tamil Nadu project was expected to evolve into a first-class EV production hub in the region with an annual capacity of up to 150,000 vehicles compared to 250,000 at its main plant in Vietnam. According to Reuters computations, electric models account for only about 2% of India's car sales, but the government is targeting 30% by 2030 and is working aggressively towards that. And Ford Motors is back. Sticking to cars, Ford Motors of America is apparently coming back to India by bringing back its Endeavor model, contemplating both local assembly in China as well as direct imports. By any stretch, this is a remarkable U-turn for a company like Ford, or for that matter, any company, and that too in such a reasonably short period of time. Ford shut shop in 2021. Autocar Professional magazine reported that Ford has filed a patent in India for the Endeavor, listed new job openings, and is now not selling its Chennai plant, which it continues to hold on to. Ford also had a plant in Sanand in Gujarat, which it sold to Tata Motors the year before. Autocar says that even after Ford halted sales, the company kept some service operations going and regularly advertised service and warranty packs. Unlike General Motors that chose to exit India to focus on key regions, Ford did not actually want to exit but was faced with no alternative after a deal with Mahindra fell through, says Autocar. Ford, of course, was in India into the 1950s after which it shut shop like many multinationals did around that time or beginning at that time and went home to return in 1995 in a joint venture with Mahindra and now this. Well, hopefully Ford will find the new stint and avatar more rewarding, albeit in a challenging market for smaller auto players. Cool products and finance are bringing consumers back to shops. More consumers are returning to physical stores as they purchase both more expensive and more sophisticated gadgets, for example, folding phones, essentially stuff you'd like to feel before you buy. And manufacturers are also pushing consumers in that direction. The share of e-commerce in total smartphone sales, for example, was 45% in 2023, but it was 48-49% to in the previous two years, according to CounterPoint research data. For several products, including televisions and washing machines, the share of online is falling. Also remember that online had grown very fast during COVID because in many ways there was no or little options. Manufacturers are also ensuring that there is little or no price difference between online and offline. But a key driver, and this is the interesting part, 
is financing. If you want to finance your color television or a phone purchase, particularly if it's an expensive one, the manner in which the whole process works, it's way more effective to do it in store. And quite likely, it will not even happen at all in that form online. So if you want to buy something expensive, particularly in the gadget category, and if you want to finance it, it's quite likely that you will head to the store in the first place or to start with. I caught up with Tarun Pathak, Research Director at CounterPoint Technology Market Research based in Delhi, and I began by asking him how and why consumers were coming back to offline and physical purchases of goods. So if we look back over the years, the retail has changed significantly. Like I'm talking more from the decade perspective. I think the first decade, 2005 till 2015, it was all driven by FMCG brands, kind of retail network. And that's mostly the model that was adopted. And then while we transitioned from 3G to 4G, predominantly a new kind of retail came into picture, which was like online, right? People were getting more into online. And that was another decade or let's say seven, eight years, like 2014 till now. But now interesting thing is we have seen shift towards offline again, at least from the consumer electronics perspective, more specifically into smartphones. And we are looking into a couple of reasons why this shift is happening. One predominantly one reason that is coming out is people are buying smartphones that are more expensive. And if they are spending more, they would like to have a look and feel of the product before buying it earlier the average selling price of a smartphone used to be 150 dollar or let's say 180 dollar someone buying a phone of let's say less than 10000 rupees they just go online do the shopping over there it's a very impulsive purchase but now a lot of thought is going behind when you're buying a more expensive phone so what you mm-hmm. do is you go to the offline retailer ask them what are the different features this particular device is i want to invest it for three years you ask all sort of questions you read the reviews online everything and then you take a call like i should buy it online or offline and people were earlier doing this as well but they end up buying online but now what is happening is there are two additional you can say factors that came into picture one is the uh, financing For example, people who do not want to spend entire uh, amount in one go, they are opting for financing. And financing is a very easy way to do if you are going from the offline perspective because you are more informed. You are more informed of how much you have to pay during the entire life cycle. And then you have a lot of financing offers came into picture, like, like for example, Samsung Finance have done really well, which worked for them in the offline retail. And the second factor that came into picture is when consumers are buying this device, they are figuring out all possible ways to basically reduce the upfront price of the phone. So what they are doing is they are picking up the phones which are older, which were earlier drawn, and bringing into the offline player offline retailer and say hey can you take this back and give me best value you can give me for this device and reduce it from this but you can't do that in a very uh, seamless way in online and i think this is something you told me earlier as well and i think this whole when when we talked about the popularity of used phones you know the other two things that you've also alluded is the oem push which means the manufacturers themselves are pushing 
and the pre-organization. So the manufacturer push, I'm guessing, I mean, I'm guessing or sensing now that you say it is because the ability to bundle finance, which I guess is Mm. better done or more easily done face to face Mm. in person. But how does premiumization play a role? Which means, I'm assuming it means if it's more expensive and more premium. But why does that mean that people would necessarily do this offline? Very important question. So why why this is happening? So earlier, I think we we as a users are transitioning from different phases. So the previous phase was more about numbers, was more about specifications. I need six gigabit RAM. I need like two fifty six memory, like hundred and eight megapixel camera. Everything was more in numbers. Now what is happening in the smartphones? As we already know that the hardware innovation is somehow hitting the plateau. Now, you'll find phones placed on the similar price buckets. You'll see more or less the specifications are same. There are hardly anything you can do out of the box to make it very differentiated from your competitor. So Mm -hmm. in the past two years, there is a lot of focus that have arrived on the look and feel of the product, which we define in a tech way as CMF, color, material, and finish. That's why you have seen the players like Vivo introducing like uh, the color changing on their phones yesterday xiaomi launched their redmi note 13 pro plus and they have this vegan leather finish you have motorola introducing the same last year and beautiful colors so what these brands are doing is they are focusing a lot now on the color material and finish and what that does mean is if you are coming and seeing and holding that device in your hand, the impression will be a lot different than what you are seeing on the internet. So even the OEMs want people to go and play with those devices because that will make them differentiated more on the look and feel. The other thing is introduction of the different form factors. We will have foldables getting mainstream in coming years, right? And, And the real essence of foldables actually comes when you go and play with the device. You can look at online, you can see, okay, it folds, you can do multitasking, you can do a lot of other things. But when you really hold the device, you see, okay, how this entirely pans out? Is it too bulky or it is not? Or how? So I think we are entering into this mainstream uh, like premiumization thing in India. But obviously, India is quite vast. Uh, there is premiumization trend is happening, but there are a lot of other trends that are happening into the entry tier, mid tier, and the premium as well. So these are one of the reasons why this is shifting more towards the offline. And and then the third reason could be like, you can now bundle a lot of things. You have smart things like, for example, TWS, watches, you can bundle it, which you could not have done earlier. I still remember LG used to bundle a bit of smartphones with the TVs, like earlier in US. And, and so, so those kind of bundling opportunities are with the retailers now. And hence, people think they're trying to basically sweeten the deal in the offline right. space. Okay, so apart from these factors that, okay, we have more interesting, colorful and foldable or other kinds of you know shape-shifting devices, for which you have to come and feel it to buy it and so on. So that is one point of view that I have to bring you in front of me to convince you and so on. But on the other side, I mean, is it for, let's say, the seller, that is, whether it's a department store or chain or e-commerce, what's the value kind of, I mean, or rather, what is the margin variation? Like, for example, for a Samsung to sell the same product, all -hmm. other factors being constant on online versus something a samsung will sell 
let's say offline via a chain of stores or an yeah. store yeah so obviously in the offline you have overhead expenses brick and mortar capex everything related to that you need to figure in the price of the phone and add like in shop promoters and other fixed and the variable expenses so obviously that part is there so the entire smartphone segment is actually Uh, the game of couple of percentages when when we mm. say margin so it doesn't vary in a big way maybe mm. a, the difference between the saving online and offline it can give you a delta of 3 percentage points or so but then brands needs to take a conscious call that okay is it 3% that is going to sell my product or i'm going to sell my brand if i'm going to sell my brand typical example is how apple does it right in an ideal scenario apple can sell all its iphones online today yeah. the yeah. kind of pull they have they don't need the physical stores at all now but the reason they still go and focus a lot on the physical stores is because you need to tell people about the entire brand ecosystem approach they want to control the end to end experience from the consumer point get them more aware about the other products and services and this thing is missing in the android camp but now with the tech transition and everything with the every brand is going into the aiot sphere aiot field uh, so i think it it becomes even important for them so we are not saying like online will completely disappear the delta or i'll say like the percentage contribution for online has always been the dominant one in favor of like during the festive season it goes as high as 60% and non festive season it is close to like 45 44% that numbers will change we are expecting a bit couple of percentages point in favor of offline but these are the trends that are supporting that so it remains to be seen how because online players will also keep giving a strong pull like for the user like i say people can still go have a look and feel of the product but then sweeten the deal go and purchase right. online thank you so much for joining yeah. me thank you thank you so much i'll be pleased more boeing 737s are being grounded More Boeing Company 737 MAX 9 aircraft are being grounded around the world for inspections after a fuselage section on a brand new Alaska Airlines jet blew out during flight. Alaska Air has kept its fleet of 65 737 MAX 9s on the ground following the incident on January 5th, while United Airlines, the model's top operator, followed suit with some jets according to Bloomberg. Then the Federal Aviation Administration in the United States has ordered a temporary grounding of 171 planes and thanks to which many other airlines and countries are following suit including Panama and Aeromexico. And then the Federal Aviation Administration in the United States ordered a temporary grounding of 171 planes triggering a similar response which is now spreading across airlines and aviation authorities. Bloomberg said the 737 MAX is by far Boeing's most popular aircraft and its biggest source of revenue this particular 737 variant can carry up to 220 passengers 10 more than the Max 8 flight 1282 was carrying 171 passengers and six crew from Portland to Ontario and California on January 5th when the crew reported a pressurization issue a rear left part of the fuselage had blown out leaving the hole resembling the opening for a door The aircraft returned to Portland after about 20 minutes of takeoff having reached an altitude of about 16000 feet says Bloomberg. Video footage which went viral showed the aircraft landing in darkness with passengers seated close to that big hole. Nobody was seriously injured.
That's it for me for today. Have a great day ahead. That was the core report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at the core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter for our exclusive stories, one in-depth feature a day on www.thecore.in. Do also track us on LinkedIn where we usually post synopses or extracts of our top stories and interviews. We would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant including of course India's vibrant manufacturing sector. So write to us at feedback@thecore.in at and thank you once again for listening.